0: cliffcentral.com sent the revolution i've got something
1: important to tell you cliffcentral.com future CEOs on com. Welcome to future CEOs. It's good to be with you. Libby, you're looking fantastic today. Welcome to the studio. How, how
2: quickly does a week go by? I mean, it feels like
1: yesterday. We're in studio tackling great topics
2: with great conversations and obviously empowering those entrepreneurs who've got high potential and high ambition to fast track their careers and grow their businesses. Uh, and, how uh,
1: was that? It was very, very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, yeah. but it is. It's a shock. It's a already almost the other side of January, or is it? What's the date today? Uh, 18th. 18th. It's already the other side of January. Uh, And so I, I think our show is so important because what we're trying to do is on that very, very fast journey that is a future CEO's life, we are here to empower, to inspire. What are the words you always use?
2: Amplify. Advocate, catalyse. Yes,
1: nice. And today is no different. Uh, coming up after the break. So at half past, we're going to be speaking about business and uh, business and industries that may have been in decline, but that they, that are going to potentially revive in 2017. But then also other areas where we, if we invest our time, there's money to be made. So we're going. to we talk... so need that convo Yeah, exactly. And so we'll be talking to some friends of ours from business partners, they're venture capitalists, so they know where where the money's at, because of course they want the money. Uh, so we're doing that at half at half past, what are we doing this half hour, Louis?
2: Well, you know what? There's been a study done by UJ about why young people are not accessing the labour market, especially maybe they've got a matric, maybe they've got some sort of tertiary education, but we want to explore the barriers of why our high potential South African youth are not becoming professionals. And in studio today, I think we should let them introduce themselves. As we do. As we always do. <laughs> yes. um, Professor Lauren Graham and Lilani Williams, please Tell us who you are and why you think you are the experts in this conversation. Let's
0: start with Prof. Lauren. Great. Thanks very much. And thanks for having us. Uh, so I'm Lauren. I'm uh, the associate professor and deputy director of the Center for Social Development in Africa at UJ. And I was the project lead on the, on the project that we're going to be talking about. And youth unemployment is something that I'm really passionate about. I speak to young people. I see high potential young people. And it breaks my heart it to see them locked hearts, out of the Prof. labor market.
3: Sislelani. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Uh, My name is Leilani Williams. I am also a researcher at the Center for Social Development in Africa, and I've worked closely with Prof. Graham on the Youth Unemployment Study. I'm a young person myself. Still in the target group of the definition of youth. Okay, as interesting. Uh, <laughs> interesting. No, that's uh, do I fit that? No. <laughs> of, course yeah, yeah. of course you do. I'm just outside. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this Lilani. So um, I'm also concerned, a concerned young person because unemployment seemed to be rising as per the latest statistics. So it's work that is uh, close to my heart as well
1: so let 's let 's start at the origin of the study. Why did you choose to do this specifically? Uh, I think it goes to what you just said about this rising unemployment, but what was the, the the real motivation behind this?
0: So we had a, a, a discussion in October 2012, that's how quickly time flies, um, with a group of people who, you know, for a long time we'd been talking about the problem of youth unemployment, but nobody had really been talking about solutions. And so at that roundtable, we started talking about solutions. And one of the resolutions that came out of that discussion was a realization that there are a lot of, Organizations, NGOs, businesses, state organizations that are training young people for the labor market, mm. but we actually don't know how effective these programs why are. Why they're falling through the cracks. And, and well. why they keep falling through the cracks. And so that was where we started with this project. We feel it's one of the most important issues for us to be talking about in South Africa. And, and we want to be influencing policy and programs. And so we need the evidence to be able to do that.
1: Mm. So who is this, uh, the research actually targeting? At. So mm. who, who would be the primary beneficiary here for, for the outcomes that you ha- have now uh, available?
0: So we targeted young people who are going through youth employ, what we call youth employability interventions. And what we mean by youth employability interventions is any kind of program that is training young people for, on workplace experience, technical skills, soft skills, and helping them to access the labor market. So they are typically young people who are self-starters because they self-select into the programs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many of the programs have a minimum um, education level requirement. So most of them, as you'll hear, are, have a matrix. Certificate, if not higher levels of education mm. So they are in some senses The cream of the crop But they're still struggling to get into the labour market mm. And so the question for us is If these young people are struggling To get in the la- into the labour market How much more how many more barriers are there for young people who don't have those marks or who can't access Good those point. kinds of programs? And so the findings we feel are important for the broader youth population as well. Mm. So, Leilani, take us through a couple of findings of what are, are the other
2: barriers that are not allowing our young, you know, uh, educated,
3: you know, mm. in, in a sense, um, struggling to get into the the labor market? So as Professor Graham has indicated, a lot of the young people, over 90% of the young people in our study, they do have a matric qualification. And of those, 22% actually has a matric with a bachelor's pass. Okay. So it suggests that they might also qualify for higher education. But for some reason, they are still not accessing either higher education or the labor market. So many of the research that has been conducted focuses on these uh, structural, structural uh, level barriers to um, employment. But in our study, we have zoomed in on those micro level community level barriers, mm. which include uh, things like the high cost of uh, job search. You would find that the young people in our study, they are from poor households. Mm. They have low household incomes. Mm. They, there's also moderate to severe levels of food insecurity in those households. So they, they often do not have sufficient funds to actually fund job search initiatives. Mm. We find that on average young people may spend over 900 rand on uh, job search activities. And this include transport costs just to uh, drive into, uh, you know, the urban centers to look for work. And also other costs like printing, copying, faxing, internet. Internet. We know telephone. the high costs of, of data.
2: I mean, as a, as an established professional myself, you know what I mean? Those things are expensive and it's cost effective and it accumulates over time, you know, trying to get
3: responses exactly. from, you know, the employer, you know, it's, yeah, I can believe that. So it is the high cost of job search and, um, we also see a high proportion of the young people in our study they've been chronically unemployed so they have been unemployed for 12 months or longer but they persist in sending you know their job um applications sometimes they have limited uh, strategies that they actually employ to search for jobs so they might not always use the most effective means to apply for jobs they well, might what, res- do you mean? what do you mean they might respond to newspaper adverts and we know those are broadly exposed and a lot of people respond to that. Sure. Then there's also an important uh, barrier um, including the lack of social capital. We often know that it's not who you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And the young people just do not have the strategic networks that can actually link them to the labor market. They do have um, bond, what we term bonding uh, social capital. So they get advice about job opportunities from friends, from family members, and those people then, um, help them to access opportunities, but they need more strategic um, networks that can actually open up opportunities to the labor
1: market. So, so I'm, a, I'm a data guy. I, I like the information. Uh, but before we go there, there was something, as I was just reading, and I had to browse because it's a 72-page document that you guys have, have available, so it's heavy. Uh, hopefully we can make it a little bit lighter here in this conversation. But before we go there, the, the one thought that I had was, isn't this giving... Uh, an opportunity to young people to paint themselves even um, more as victims. Uh, are we are we uh, are we giving them ammo by saying, "Oh no, now you don't have this, and now you don't have that, and now you don't have this"? I, I, it was just a thought. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I would never want to. Uh, point, at, uh, point a finger at anyone And say you're just being a victim mm. um, Especially when the needs are real Well, How have you been able to counter this So uh, you're interacting with someone And they're just saying oh it's this and oh it's that And suddenly they become victims yeah.
0: In my experience we, I actually don't see that amongst the young people That we speak to So how we collect the data is through a survey And we have set questions And then we, we pull out the findings from that So they're not telling us oh I don't have this Oh I don't have mm. that We ask them a set of questions and they answer based on their experiences. But in our qualitative research with young people, um, in the engagements we've had, I am always astounded at how hard they are trying to make something of, of their course. lives. They have really high ideals for themselves. And aspirations. And, and they, they do so many things to try and get into the labor market or to start something for themselves. Um, and very, very positive attitudes. And one of the other findings we saw is that when we assessed them on self-esteem and mm-hmm. self-efficacy, so self-efficacy is your sense of control over your own future, mm-hmm. they scored very highly on those mm-hmm. um, aspects. So, so I don't so, think you know, these you know, are victims. The, these
2: kids are not looking for handouts, and you know we, we don't not. want to create a society of uh, you know just giving without working or earning. You know, and we, we yes. want them to be self-sufficient. So what? Tools can we give these young kids to be able to empower themselves and to break these barriers?
1: Yeah, what's the research telling us? Yeah, there? what's the
0: research telling us? So I think a key thing is absolutely we have to get the education system right. It comes Mm -hmm. up every year when the matrics enter into the labor market and we say that they're all prepared. So that's one thing that we have to get right. But that's going to be a long-term thing. And what do we do about the young people who are graduating now? Especially the show being an
2: entrepreneurial show. What entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. skills can we teach them before they reach matric? Ladies.
0: Something, so we do do some entrepreneurial work in, in schools already. Yeah. We have to start talking about attitudes, though. We mm-hmm. found in our study that just under 20% of young people had done some kind of self-employment. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are they typically prefer paid work. It's more secure. They might see career trajectories for themselves. And so we do have to, especially if we think about the globally – the the nature of of work and being contracted in a full time permanent position that's changing globally as machines take over people's jobs and has, as as um, artificial intelligence takes over which is
1: what we spoke about last week right
0: yeah and so we have to be thinking differently about work and and encouraging self employment mm-hmm. but that is you know I I, I want to shy away from saying entrepreneurship is the solution because you're asking a group of young people who have come from a scarred education system who have low levels of social networks, who have low financial resources to suddenly become entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. If we want young people to become entrepreneurs, we have to change culture about Entrepreneurial mm. activities, and we also have to be realistic about the fact that we are going to have to invest in young people, and that means mentorship, mentorship. that means grants, that means um, um, entrepreneurship grants, it means res- financial and um, and social resources that young people need, and that takes time and money, and we have to be realistic about that.
1: Let's talk to the individual or the organisation that is running a, a some kind of education project, what are the things that they're missing? And we're really talking, I think, about, uh, and it's coming out uh, over and over again, is the psychosocial stuff um, surrounding education. Is that correct?
3: Um, Yes. The group of young people that we've looked at, as um, Lauren has indicated, they do have high levels of self-esteem.
1: They do have high levels of self-efficacy. So I'm going to interrupt you because I want to... um, I've seen too many people mm-hmm. say that they can and, and will and want to be, but it's not real. It's flaw- uh, there, there's no basis for self-esteem that is sitting, if we have to give it a, a percentage, a 90% per, um, percentage, but there's actually no basis for that confidence. It's, it's an arrogance of sorts. Uh, how do you differentiate between the two?
3: Well, if we look at the education statistics, for example, we see that um, more than half of the young people in South Africa – they do not often complete their grade 12. They drop out before they even reach grade 12. Here we are looking at young people who from who are from poor households. They live in very vulnerable situations and they are basically the cream of the crop who actually manage to complete their grade 12. We find that more than... 30% of those young people, they have a completed post-secondary education and training. So for me, that expresses agency. It expresses confidence. It expresses a sense of I'm not just sitting and waiting for life to happen to me. Um, we also find that where young people are waiting uh, before they become employed, they get involved in other skills training initiatives as well. We find in our study that over 50% of young people are continuously in and out of learnerships, apprenticeships, you know, and it shows a staggered um, trajectory or pathway to employment. So instead of waiting, they are getting involved in, in those kinds of initiatives. Um, a limited number of them also get engaged in volunteer work. I think it's less than 20% of our sample, but they keep uh, busy. busy as well. And we also that find really that <laughs> about yeah. there's a um, a certain percentage of the young people who are actually in the study taking care, having financial care and also, you know, daily care for for or, uh, responsibility for children as well as adults. So you find that these young people, when they are participating in these programs and where they are getting a stipend, they are also contributing towards um, household income. Mm. So I see a proactive young person. I see mm. someone who shows agency and I see someone who actually, you know, are active participants in their own development. With regards to the entrepreneurship, yes, less than 20 percent of them were involved in entrepreneurial activities, mostly your survivalist type of Activity, but more than half of them has expressed an interest to actually start their own business and you find that thirty four percent of them say the main reason why i 'm not starting my business is because of a fear of failure, mm. so the issue of mentorship is very important because mm. we can 't just thrust someone you know into the space where they are mm. now supposed to to start doing their own thing, so they do need. Um, the support, and I think mentorship is one of the most important.
0: Uh, Gareth, if I can jump in on that question as well. I think I think the sample that we looked at, definitely what, what Leilani has said, we, we definitely see that the basis for their self-esteem and their confidence comes from their resilience um, in completing education and, and, and engaging in other activities. But I do think in some of our qualitative research, we often see that young people have very unrealistic goals for yeah. themselves. And... Um, and what and do you mean? tell us so it a so bit they a might bit. be coming out of school with very low marks, but they are going to be a doctor and they're going to be a lawyer, and it's um it, it's very they seem unrealistic and they're not taking steps to achieve those, so they haven't gone back to rewrite or they don't know what steps to take next. Mm. So I do think that there's a problem with that, and that and that we need to be um, encouraging young people to be realistic about what is achievable. We don't need thousands and thousands and thousands of doctors and engineers. We also need artisans and, um, and as some of the other unpopular type of careers where there are career opportunities. And so there's something about shifting our perceptions about Correct. what is, what is Correct. viable employment or what is um, socially acceptable employment. Um, and then I think the role of these organizations that we've been working with are really, really important because once a young person exits school, where do they go? If they don't get into higher education, they're lost in the system, really. Um, and these kind of organizations grab them as they're coming out of school and provide that kind of bridge to help them access other opportunities.
1: So what are organizations that are doing it right? What do they look like? And what do organizations that are doing it wrong look like?
0: So um, one of the things that we did was we we're, we're in the process of assessing what the outcomes of young people are um look like. It's a longitudinal study um, and we're in the last phase of data collection now. But some of the emerging things that we're seeing from the organizations is that they are um, they're providing infrastructure for young people. So if you're a young person in Orange Farm and you're not connected to an organization like this, where do you go to access a computer without having to pay for it? And data. So access to infrastructure is really important. One of the things that we're seeing is that the young people are coming out at the end with a lot more Knowledge about how to effectively look for work, and um, they one of the things we were hoping to see, which we didn't see, was um, we were hoping to see better social networks, um, but we haven't seen that yet. That that may still come out. Um, one of the really interesting programs is the Raymond Ackerman Academy, and they yeah they're Yeah, times. apparently mm. they are. They're really doing some great work. They are. And they're the oh. only one that we're re- they're really focusing on entrepreneurial activity. Correct, um, and targeting young people who typically wouldn't be seen as, as the future CEOs. Mm. Um, and uh, we, they're all, all of the organizations we're working with are great, but they stand out in terms of their entrepreneurial focus. Mm. Mm.
2: Lilith, you know, just for the future
0: CEOs and no matter
2: where they are in their entrepreneurial journey, what can we do just to assist or to motivate these young kids to create that Space where they can find mentorship or where they can find information or where they can find the tools and the skills? What can we do as the ordinary but uh, high-potential entrepreneur out there?
3: How can we help? I think um, it centers a lot around information. You know, uh, many of our young people do not have access to information, what we may take for granted, because, you know, we are sitting in offices, Mm -hmm. we have access to internet, Mm -hmm. and yet you have a young person who does not even know I can approach an organization like the Raymond Ackerman Academy for information. Mm -hmm. So it starts with us as individuals, you know, you have young nieces and nephews, you have cousins brothers and sisters cliff central you have cliff central <laughs> you know it starts by exposing people to information okay. um, and i think a lot can be done especially by the ngo sector like these youth employability programs and they are already doing a great deal in terms of just disseminating information because that was another barrier that actually prevents young people from accessing opportunities
0: i think something else that we can do is tell our stories because mm. when you're in a position like you are on radio, on radio, um, <laughs> yeah. get it right,
2: twice. get it right. You got it, you um, got it. <laughs> if,
0: if, if they see that, they don't know how you got there. They don't know mm-hmm. the determination and the work that had to go in. And, and when we tell our stories about where we started, one of the conferences I attended, we, they had a little video camera up and they asked us to go and tell young people what our first job was. And our first jobs were typically not great jobs. You know, my first job was waitressing and mm-hmm. getting really good
2: tips. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what, was your, what was your first job? I was a
2: packer. I remember my grandmother's story. So my yeah, grandmother and okay, the okay. supermarket and I used to pack and yeah. the toll. You know how it is. Yeah. At like 15, 16, started young.
3: Start I, them young. I
1: took pictures for Auto Trader.
3: Yeah.
1: So I had to drive around on a little you motorbike see, taking pictures. You
3: see. Okay. What was your first job? I was a research intern. Uh, always <laughs> smart. Always smart. Always
0: smart.
2: But
3: right those, are, those are the important
0: stories that we weren't immediately celebrities or professors, Yunky. that we started small. And those are the jobs that got us new connections and social exactly. networks and workplace experience and beef up your CV. And that's what eventually gets you to do what you want to do.
1: Let's talk a little bit. Let's go into the research. What's your favourite piece of data, and what does it tell you? Uh, and we'll go we'll go around the room, <laughs> around the studio.
0: <laughs> I think my favourite piece of data was was the, the statistic on how many of these young people have fairly high levels of education but are still locked out. Now that's not a nice story, but given that. The mo- we we tend to see that we don't we don't have a big graduate unemployment problem, despite what you see on Facebook and uh, and that we've got a very low graduate unemployment problem. And the fact that we found this points to the realities of young people and what we need to be doing at the community and the individual level to help them. And that was really important for me.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's almost a point of origin in many ways, yeah. isn't it? Yeah.
3: For me, I think um, it was just the resilience of young people, the fact that. Um, they could still pursue a formal post-secondary education and training despite their circumstances. I am concerned about dropout. Um, I think a lot of research needs to be done in terms of reaching those young people who are not completing their grade twelve, because you start with a certain number of young people in grade. One and then you end with half mm. of them and they are somehow falling through the cracks because mm-hmm. when you look at the programs that we have looked at, they are doing amazing work, but most of them has a grade 12 as an entry level requirement. Mm. So I as a researcher would like to see more work being done to focus on those young people who are not accommodated in the post-secondary education and training system.
1: Mm, very nice. Maybe so a, a final thought because we have run out of time.
2: I never want to be a accessory to create a generation of people who want handouts. Mm. Um, I, we need our youth and our high potential, so dynamic, um, energized youth to be self-sustainable and self-sufficient and Absolutely. be able to carry that button and be entrepreneurs at the end of the day because that's where their full potential lies.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, and, and a final just word or thought from me is that education will break the poverty cycle. Amen. I, I, know, mm-hmm. that, I know that here it says that it's, it's um, I think the line is that sometimes we invest too much in education and we think it's the only thing that will break the poverty mm-hmm. cycle. Well, Our message to all our future CEOs, no matter where they are, is that education is the step. Mm-hmm. But there are other things that go into that as well. So we just be mature g- enough to look at, at uh, holistically.
2: And I'm so glad you said that because the next half hour of a show tells us the jobs that really can... Uh, bloom and blossom in 2017 yep. and where you can really really make the money but also make a great imprint and legacy in Africa and South Africa.
1: Ladies, thank you for being here in the studio. We we've greatly appreciated the w- We and, loved it. And <laughs> the conversation <laughs> <did> but certainly <laughs> the, the work that you do. Thank you yes. so very much for committing so much time and, and resources to that. We really Thank appreciate you. it. Uh, how can uh, hands get onto this information? Where can they go?
0: So, our website is www.uj.ac.za forward slash CSDA, and you'll find our publications. There. Keep up the great work, ladies. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Thanks so much.
1: Thank, Thank you. you. Future CEOs on Cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.